Hello, everybody. Welcome back into another episode of the Penn State 365 podcast. My name is Don't Count Crowley, beat writer and recruiting analyst here at Nitty Nation. I'm joined by my co-host, Marty Leap. As always, Anthony is off this week. Uh, Marty, this should be a pretty quick podcast, if I'm saying so myself. Penn State hosting the Max Ohio Bobcats this week. Penn State a 25.5 point favorite as of the time of recording on Wednesday night. We talked about the Purdue game. We've had time to, you know, digest that game, talk about it, sit on it some more. Before we get into Ohio, do you have any last thoughts on Purdue? No, I don't think so. All I'll say is if you want to hear our thoughts on Purdue or you just want to, you know, hear some more some more talking or banter on what was one heck of a college football game, go back out, go back, excuse me, and check out our episode of Merlier this week. All right, well, let's get into this Ohio game, Marty. There, there really isn't a ton to talk about here because if we're being completely honest, Penn State should win this game, and Penn State should win this game fairly easily. If Penn State doesn't beat this Ohio team soundly, and by soundly I mean by at least three scores, by the time the starters leave this game, Penn State should be up 28 to 30-plus points at least. I think that is what good football teams do in these situations. And if you don't, I think there's probably some underlying issues that we're going to have to talk about later next, later this week after the game. This Ohio team isn't a bad team, though. This Ohio team is a good team. They're coming off a 41-38 win over FAU, which is a quality group of five program. The Bobcats last year were disappointing, 3-9 and uh, head coach Tim Albin's first season uh, as the head coach of the Bobcats, uh, replacing the great Frank Solich there. Uh, what is your initial thoughts on the Bobcats? I mean, I can't say I know a ton about Ohio. I know the quarterback of theirs, Rourke, is a pretty good player. Um, they got the running back from DeMatho, seems like a pretty good player. But, man, yeah. I have a hard time looking at Penn State's schedule and finding a time team worse than Ohio. Um, you mentioned if they don't win this soundly, a comparison I've made is the Villanova game last year when Penn State couldn't run the ball, struggled to put Villanova away. I mean, they won by what? I think 10 or 14. Like coming out of that, that should have raised a lot more red flags than it did with where the season was going to go. And I will say if this Saturday is similar to that game, especially if they can't run the ball at all without any sort of consistency, without any sort of explosive plays, man, that's going to be a big red flag about where this season could be heading also. I I 100% agree with you there. And like you said, this Ohio team does have some quality players on their team. You mentioned the quarterback, Kevin Wark. Uh, He's Curtis Wark, sorry. Um, He had a good start to his season last week. Um, completed 65.4%, sorry, 79.4% of his passes for 345 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions. A great start to his season after a okay to quality season a year ago, his first as the starter for the uh, Bobcats. Um, the running back, you mentioned him, uh, a guy from Namatha, Penn State, is semi-familiar with him because he's from Namatha. Saeed Bangora, he has 23 carries for 114 yards in week one. 
wide receiver James Bostick, six for 136 and one touchdown last week. Those are really the big names to know on this Ohio offense. That being said, while those are all quality players, I think the big part here is Penn. I, I, I would have to say that Penn State's defense, if they have issues here, it, it's going to be concerning going forward because this is not a town at Ohio. This is far less talented than the last week's Purdue team. Uh, it's not very explosive. Bangura is a quality running back, but if Bangura is able to run all over you, they are in deep trouble when they have to face uh, Northwestern, Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan. The list goes on and on the rest of the season. And the secondary, I think, should not have a problem against this Ohio receiving court. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio will get its yardage. They, they'll probably end up with 150 passing yards in this game. They may have a passing touchdown or two. But it should be a far cry from what we saw last week against Purdue. Yeah, you hope so at least. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if if they can't run the ball this weekend, man, if you can't bust off some long runs, in, in, in the in the rushing game, just who, yeah, that that's going to be a real real concern. You know, you're playing an Ohio squad, like you said, a lot less talented than what you saw last week in Purdue. And like I said, probably the least talented team you're going to play this year. You'd like to see Nick Singleton maybe break one here, you know. But if nothing else, I, I just if I look up the end of the game and you see, you know, thirty carries for. 120 yards or whatever it is, you're just going to be really concerned about where this team's going to go. And, you know, not not to put it on the rushing game either. You really want to see Sean Clifford being a much better rhythm in this game than he was against Purdue. Um, now, a good running attack can really mask a lot of issues of, of passing in my struggle, which was in the hurt Penn State last year. So, I mean, ideally you want to see both get going, but I think more, most importantly you want to see the running game show some signs of life this weekend and uh, show some explosiveness also, which is – Something Penn State's rushing attack has not had since Journey Brown. Yeah, let's shift our attention to that side of the ball in this matchup. Ohio's run defense in week one was actually pretty good. They kept FAU to just 89 yards per carry. Um, Sorry, misread that. They kept FAU to 100 yards per carry on 20. 100 yards per carry. 100 yards so per I, hope, carry. I, hope, I hope Penn State can average 89 or 100 yards per carry this weekend. I'll, I'll feel real good about the rushing game coming out of it. All right. Let's shift, let, yeah, let's shift to the defensive offensive side. Defense, Bobcat. Great point, Marty. Let's move on. Let's move on to that Ohio defense for Penn State's offense matchup. I think to start off with the running attack, rushing attack for Penn State, like you said, this Ohio team did a good job in week one, kept FAU to just 100 yards and 29 carries. But this is a team a year ago that got beat on the ground consistently and badly. A year ago, 193 yards allowed per game and almost five yards per carry. This is a front seven of Ohio that Penn State's offensive line should be able to handle with ease. This yes, last week you had improvements in the pass and the pass protection for the Penn State offensive line. This week you need to see the improvements in the offensive line when it comes to the run block. And it's been the Achilles heel of this offensive line the last year and a half last two seasons. And if it's a major problem this year, Penn State's in a lot of trouble once again. If you can't push around this Ohio front seven, which you're going to have a considerable size advantage of, 
you are going to struggle like crazy, even against the Northwesterns of the world in a couple of weeks, but especially against Auburn next week when you're down in Jordan Hare, where I, I think Penn State is the better team and should win that game. But if Penn State's going to win that game next week in Auburn, they're going to have to run the ball considerably well. Um, so I, I definitely think the ru- Penn State running attack, rushing attack, should be the focus of this week's offense. I think you also, for Clifford, you want to see him make all the throws he should make, not make any bad decisions, not overthrow a wide receiver by 20 yards. He needs to do what he's expected to do. And in a game like this, I think you're expecting over two or two and a half quarters, probably somewhere in the vicinity of what, 15 for 20 for about 200-some yards and uh, two touchdowns or so? Yeah, that's something. And, you know, you, you mentioned the offensive line. That will be a, a little bit of a story to watch here, too, is what happens to right tackle. Um, last week after Caden Wallace gave up that sack in the fourth quarter, we didn't see him the rest of the game as Bryce Effner. Um, Wallace really struggled again last week, had some costly penalties as well. So curious to see how that shakes out. Um, I know that's something we talked about earlier in the week, but I wouldn't be surprised if we also see some of Hunter Norris out of left guard with Landon Tangle kicking out the right tackle. Um, but, yeah, if you can't, you can't push this front seven around. You can't dominate this front seven. You can't run on this front seven. It's going to be a long year. It's going to be a real long year because you're going to be in trouble against Auburn, against Northwestern, against Michigan, you know, especially Ohio State. It's, it's, it's going to be a very long year if you cannot get things going on Saturday against Ohio. And I just I don't I don't think there's any other way to put it other than just be blunt about it. I 100% agree with you there, Marty. I 100% agree. Um, I guess, because I, like I said, there's really not much to break down in, in this matchup. These are two matchups that Penn State should dominate. They should dominate on both sides of the ball, and if they don't, there is a major concern because, yes, Ohio may be a, a nicely improved team from last year, but when you're facing a MAC team and you're Penn State, which is one of the top, what, 15 or so talented teams in the country, you should – leave no doubt about who's the best team on the field and and there should and I, there won't be any doubt but it should not be close it from the minute this game kicks off Penn State should dominate from wire to wire and it should be no contest uh this game should really be over after the first quarter but Penn State has not done that over the last few years even even from 2016 to 2019, they did not do that. I mean, Georgia State, if I recall, was a some was a close game for a while. Um, they struggled with Buffalo back then as well. Um, so I mean, we have seen Penn State struggle in these situations, and they've gone on to have good seasons. So it's not life or death. It's not you know black. It's not it's not black and gray like that, but. I I think what if you're a Penn State fan, what do you want to see before going into Auburn next week is just complete domination. Yeah, you, you want to see Penn State come out and force their will and push them around on both sides of the ball and dominate in the trenches. Um, you know, they're, they're, again, there's 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 no reason for it not to be that way. There's no reason. You know, I, I hope they come out and try and run the ball early and often on Saturday. Try and build some confidence in his offensive line. Try and build some confidence in these running backs. You know, and, and it just you make things easier on Sean Clifford if you do that. It's a win-win all around, and this is a game you want to see Penn State come out and jump all over him, and not just for those reasons, but 
these are the kind of games where you want to see a lot of young guys. Let Drew Allar get four, five, six series in the second half of this game, maybe the entire second half. If you can put it away going into the locker room, get the young receivers a lot of run out there. On defense, you've got a lot of young guys who get some viable reps in this game. You want a game like this to be about development as much as anything else. And in order to really maximize your ability to make this a developmental game, you've got to jump on these guys early and often and not let off the gas pedal until you have a 25-30 point lead. So hopefully the Indian Lions can come out and do that. And, you know, Saturday is whenever we report our post-game show, whether it be Saturday, Sunday, whenever it is, we can be sitting here talking about a first career touchdown for Nick Singleton, for Drew Aller, you know, maybe talking about a guy like a, like a KJ Winston snagging their first career interception, something like that. Instead of like it was last year after the Villanova game, where you're saying they're scratching your head thinking like, oh my God, is this team ever going to be able to run the football? Bingo. And what has been a major issue for Penn State over the last few years, uh, specifically at quarterback? They have not had an experienced player at quarterback. Uh, I mean, Levis had experience, but how much much in-game experience in competitive situations that Will Levis actually have uh, prior to, you know, some spot starts? Roberson last year had no true in-game experience in a competitive situation. He had to step in against Iowa, and we saw how that happened. James Franklin has talked about this, uh, has talked about it coming into this week, but also in the offseason about you have to get these guys more development time in in game situations and not allow your ego to, you know, overtake that. Yes, you want to keep the shutout, but getting those guys, young young guys in game experience is way more important than if you give up 10 or 14 points because your second or third string defense was out there for two quarters. The, and that's the big difference between, you know, the Alabamas, Ohio States, Georgias of the world is by the third quarter against bad opponents, they have their second, third string, then sometimes even walk-ons on the field taking snaps, getting crucial in-game experience. And guess what? Those kids the next year are their starters and are, you know, kicking everybody's ass because they, they've had so much in-game experience. Um, Penn State, if for nothing else – needs to dominate in the first half to get those young guys experience. I yes, Christian and and I I, I should say not just with Drew at, you know Drew Avar at quarterback but also with Christian Veyu. I mean, yes, everybody wants to see Drew Avar at quarterback, see what it can do for more than one series. But what happens if Christian Veyu, you know, sprains an ankle or, you know, has some sort of injury that keeps him out for a few weeks and you have to turn to Christian Veyu? I know Veyu has in-game experience. Uh, he started a game against Rutgers last year and looked good. But it's been a long time since he's been in in-game situation too. So while I think Drew should see quite a bit of point time in the second half, I also think Christian Veyu probably should get – I mean, if Penn State, say, they had a big league going into the third quarter – I, I I think, and by big lead, I mean, I think if Penn State's leading by three-plus touchdowns, I don't see a reason to keep – if Sean Clifford looks good and you're up three touchdowns, get Clifford out of there, keep him healthy for Auburn, put Drew out there, see what he can do in a quarter of action. And then if you're fine with what you saw there, give Christian a quarter of action because it's still a true quarterback competition, according to James Franklin, for that second uh, string spot so get, get let those two battle out see what happens in a true in-game uh, situation 100 percent agree 
hundred percent agree on all fronts. Um, it's a developmental game. You need to look at this as a developmental game and nothing else. And, you know, you mentioned the, the quarterback situation. That is a great point too. I remember last year, you and I sitting together in the stands of the Indiana game when take one Robertson came in to snap the ball three times and hand it off on the last drive. And that was one thing you mentioned was why not let him throw the ball a little bit there? Why not get him some legitimate game reps, not snap the ball, turn around and hand it off. And him not having that when they went to Iowa City proved to be extremely costly and potentially derailed their entire season. So, you know, you want to get snaps for Drew. You want to get snaps for Christian. You want to get snaps on the defense. And you made a really good point where, you know, you'd rather see your second and third string defense give up 14 points or so in the fourth quarter, but get the experience. You know, you, you made that comment, and I was pulling up a roster – Think back to 2017 against Nebraska where Penn State was winning, I think like 56 to 20. And people were losing their minds on social media in the fourth quarter because their second and third string defense were giving up points in Nebraska and the final score ended up like 56 to 40. Well, you know who a lot of those guys were that were on the field that day giving those points? It was Shaka Tony. It was Cam Brown. It was Tyreek Castro Fields. It was guys who went on to play a very key role in an 11 win team that won the Cotton Bowl two years later those kinds of reps pay off in the long run and you're much better off. As you said, having those guys take some lumps and have some learning curves along the way so that when you need to go to them in legitimate game situations, they're not a bunch of deer in the headlights. And that's what games like this are supposed to be all about. Going to agree with you any more. Um, and I, I think the other thing here uh, is um uh, when you give up those 10, 14 points because your second or third string defense is out there, that's okay because you're learning from your mistakes. I mean, no freshman's going to go out there, no no sophomore, redshirt freshman, whatever it may be, is going to go out there and be perfect every time. And the only way to get better is you make those mistakes, you go watch it on film, you see what you messed up, and you get better from it. it, it I would rather see a guy – struggle against a bad opponent in a game that doesn't matter, sorry, in a situation that doesn't matter, uh, then have to put him out there inexperienced again, like a Roberson against Iowa. And you're, you're setting yourself up for failure if you don't get these key development times in for players when you have the opportunity. Uh, and and absolutely, like you said, the biggest point of this game for Penn State this week should be getting these guys key developmental time. All right, Marty, before we go into our picks this week with our special guest, um, we we talked a lot about development, obviously. Who are some of the young guys you want to see get development time this week? I mean, obviously the biggest ones, Drew Alar. Um, You know, we talked about it ad nauseum earlier this week, and his his – one possession was just, man, the ball is just different coming out of his hand. You want to see a lot of Drew Lar this week, not just for the fun that it's, it could create, but also just for the development. You know, offensively, I, I would really like to see, you know, Landon Tangwall get some more sna- snaps this week than he did last week. And I would also want to see more of Amari Evans and Trey Wallace on the outside of receiver. To go to defense, there's a ton of guys. Give me, give me all the Abdul Carter you can. Give me all the Abdul Carter you can at linebacker this weekend up front. I'd like to see, excuse me, want to see a lot of Jordan Vandenberg. He's a player who I think can have a role for this program moving forward. High motor defensive tackle. 
on the edge. I mean, Vanover showed some pleasant things last week in a, in a larger role than we had anticipated. So curious to see what he can do. Devon Townley's guy apparently has had a big offseason defensive end. Excited to see what he could potentially do. And even some of these young defensive backs. I mean, uh, I'm going to see some more Zaki Wheatley than we did last week. I'm going to see what KJ Winston can do, assuming this is one of the games he's going to get to play in without without burning his red shirt. And, you know, even even at linebacker, can uh, Tyler Elsner or Kobe King take a step forward this week? That's a big question also. So there's definitely guys that's going to be intriguing to watch this week from that developmental standpoint. And, you know, that, that again, that's, that's what games like this are all about, man. That's what can make games like this fun is having that little bit of a glimpse into the future with some of these guys. Agreed. I think guys that I will be looking at just to get a lot of snaps, both of the young freshman running backs, I think you keep them in as long as you can in this one without jeopardizing their health. Uh, denied Dennis Sutton. I want to see more of him. He only, he only got a handful of snaps last week. I want to see what he can do. I want to see what KJ Winston can do. You mentioned him um, earlier. Uh, I want to see what some of these young receivers can do too. What can Harrison Wallace do? do what can omar omari evans do i know omari evans is still raw but what can he do um perhaps we see Caden saunders um or we see some of the young guys that have been on the roster for a while uh not a while but for a little bit here in like a liam clifford and a Jaden dodden you they really need to start building more depth at wide receiver it's solid depth but they i think i think you need more than five guys that you can trust and going into the heart of this schedule because you're going up against some pretty good secondaries and you're going up against some pretty good defenses. You're going to need more than five guys. Um, and then on top of that, I would say it's, ne- it's never bad to get offensive lineman reps in general. I mean, get get as much rotational depth on that offensive line as possible because God knows Penn State's going to need it because the offensive line has been uh, not just – such an up and down thing are the last few years, but they've lost some key guys to injuries at times as well. And and they need some serious depth on that offensive line. So again, some key snaps in late in this game for some depth players there, I, I don't think would be a bad idea at all. Yeah. You know, you mentioned offensive line. One guy who I know he's a starter that I wouldn't hate seeing playing a little bit deeper in this game too. would be Sal Wormley just because he's missed so much time, you know, missed all of last season. So hopefully he can he can bulk some reps together before the starters day ends, and you know one other guy I will mention on on defense also that I'm excited to see what we can get from him this week is going to be Hakeem Beeman just because I think I mean it's a little bit different he's not necessarily a development guy though he's definitely a player with some developing still there to be done, but now that he's got that first game back under his belt do we see a little bit more of the explosiveness and things like that. And we've heard so much about for Beeman on the inside this week, especially against the what should be a maybe. I mean, I'm not even say maybe against what should be the worst offensive line they see this year. Great points, as always, out of you there, Marty. And I think with that, let's just move into our predictions with our special guest. But before we get there, it's a great time to give a shout out to our sponsor. Are you a displaced corporate executive or want to put your career in your own hands? Are you an experienced entrepreneur or want to diversify? Well, Adam Goldman can help. Adam is an Indian Nation member, an Indian Lions fan, and a franchise veteran for over a decade. Using his expertise, he helps others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process, 100% free. So what do you have to lose? Your own new business made easy. 
Find your perfect franchise at FranchiseCoach.net or call Adam at any time at 844-800-3726. Again, 844-800-3726 or at FranchiseCoach.net. And now that we've discussed the Penn State-Ohio game, we will, of course, be giving our picks here uh, in just a few minutes. But we bring on our special guest picker of the week, former Nitty Nation uh, beat writer, wrestling writer, did a whole bunch of stuff for Nitty Nation, Clay Saratag. Clay, welcome to the show. How have you been? It me. Um, not bad, not bad. Uh, happy to have college football season. Starting to get into full swing here. Uh, of course, that start with Penn State giving me a heart attack because why would it start any other way? But but happy to be back and talking a little Penn State football and college football as a whole. Yeah, well, what was your thoughts on last week's uh, 35-31 win over Purdue? Um, as a fan, absolutely none of it was enjoyable whatsoever. Um, as just somebody that, that likes to give their analysis on Penn State football, I... I don't think it was a bad result. I mean, Penn State covered. They, they they went on the road in conference to start the season and picked up a win in not the toughest environment, but against the Purdue program that has become pretty, for I'll say formidable. I mean, they're, they're not a walkover anymore anytime you have to go into West Lafayette. So I, I think if, if you offered James Franklin and, them and his staff a win beforehand, they probably would have taken it and moved on to week two. I fully agree with you there. Uh, and since you left Nitty Nation, what have you been up to? I uh, started a job over uh, for, for those of you who know Bro Bible and creating some content over there, talking a little college football, a little pro football, a little this, a little of that. So for those of you who aren't aware, come check out Bro Bible. We have ton- tons of fantastic writers and tons of fantastic content. And uh, I'm sure we have something to your liking. Absolutely. I check out Bro Bible every now and then. Uh, like you said, a little bit of everything uh, that really is on there. And it uh, offers refreshing different takes on things as well. It's, it's a really good side to check out. But are we are we ready to talk about uh, some week two action here, gentlemen? Let's get to it. All right. We'll, we'll of course, do Ohio versus Penn State at the very end. Uh, but we'll start at uh, – the top of our list here, not going through these in any particular order. Um, let's start with Alabama as a 22-point favorite on the road versus Texas. Alabama coming off, of course, a big win over Utah State last week. And Texas uh, had their own nice win uh, in week one over Louisiana Monroe, 52-10. Um this is an intriguing matchup for various reasons. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian faces uh, Alabama for the first time since leaving uh, Quinn Ewers. It's his first big test as a starting quarterback. Uh, Marty, I'll start with you. Uh, Alabama, 22-point favorite here. What's your quick thoughts on this game? What do you have going on? What do you have for this game? I think Bama covers, and I don't think it's particularly challenging for them to cover. Um, I think this is a game where – as we've seen Alabama do so many times under Nick Saban, you jump up to a 24 to three, 28 to seven lead, whatever it might be. And they just kind of coast to the finish line. Um, I do think with it being Sark, who is a former system of Saban's that by all accounts, you know, that was a, 
always a good relationship and a relationship that ended on healthy terms. So I don't think Nick would look to stick it to him the way he would if this was, you know, maybe like Lane Kiffin. But, um, yeah, I, I think Alabama covers, and I don't think they really struggle to do it. I just don't think Texas's defense is going to be able to slow them down enough, and I don't think Texas's offense is quite there yet to keep up with Alabama. All right, so you have Alabama winning outright as well as covering the 22-point spread. Clay, what do you have in this game? What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, this is a game that opened, I believe, with Alabama as a 17-point, 17.5-point favorite, depending on where you looked. So, uh, I mean, Marty is not alone in, in favoring Alabama very heavily. The line's moved about five points. That's a pretty drastic shift here in the last four or five days. I tend to agree. I, I think this is going to be – a very, very rude awakening potentially for Quinn Ewers, who looked solid if unspectacular first first game. Um, mistake prone is, is some of the things you've heard coming out of the practices there. That that's not what you want against an Alabama defense that will gladly take advantage of that. Um, as Marty said, I'm not sure they're going to be able to slow down Alabama all that much. I I think the Crimson Tide win this, and they win this very, very big. Yeah, I, I have to agree with both of you. I have Alabama winning this one and winning it uh, by, uh, I would say, probably at least 24 points, if not more. And it's not that I don't think Texas is talented. I just think uh, this Alabama team is on, is on a whole different level town-wise. But they're also a team that is much less prone to making big mistakes over the last few years in, in any sort of game. And while this is a big game for Texas – I, I don't really think it's that big of a game for Alabama yet. It's, you know, two traditional blue bloods. But at, at the end of the day, Alabama has been on top of the college football world for the last decade. And Texas has been kind of, you know, just uh, jumping around in their own, uh, you know what, for the last uh, 10 years or so. So give me Alabama to win this and give me Alabama to win this one uh, by at least 24. I, I think – Texas may keep it close for the first half, but once you get into that second half, I think the depth is going to depth is going to show for Alabama and win it going away. Our next game up, we're staying in the Lone Star State. App State coming off one of the uh, probably best games we'll see all season against UNC. Travels down to College Station to take on Texas A&M. App State a nineteen point underdog here. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of points, but again, this Texas A&M team is one of the more talented teams in the country on paper. Um, Clay, we started Mari last time, so let's go to you. What's your thoughts on App State, Texas A&M? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Appalachian State defense is a uh, big concern. About whether it exists or not is, is a legitimate question. Um, but that's a really, really large line for a Texas A&M team that I'm still not sold on. I, I didn't quite understand how a team that goes eight and four jumps into the top five or six in the polls in the preseason to begin with. Um, that seemed a little strange to me, even with their talented freshmen. Um, and in week one, they looked fine. They looked like a team that's probably a top 25 team and then a team that probably isn't anywhere near ready to contend for, for a college football playoff championship. Um, I'm going to go give me a and M outright, but I'm going to take the points on this one. I, I think, that, that App State offense is for real, whether or not UNC defense is regardless. Um, so, so give me Texas a and I could see something like 
42-27 or 42-24, something in, around those lines. Marty, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I agree with a lot of what Clay said there. Um, and, and I think one thing, too, that's a factor here is with Texas A&M, I don't know how how much Jimbo Fisher is really going to look to open this offense up if he doesn't absolutely have to. Um, you know, they've really, really struggled with explosive plays in the passing game the last two or three years. Like, worse, some of the worst in the Power Five bad with explosive plays in the passing game. And after what we saw from Matt State's defense last week, it might not be hard to get some explosive plays going. But yeah, I'm going to be the same. I think A&M wins it, but I think I think App State covers. I agree, like Clay said, 42-24, 38-24, 35-21, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think the Aggies win, and they probably do it comfortably. But 19 is a big number when you're you're facing a good App State offense and you're a Texas A&M offense that you have a lot of questions about your ability to open it up and how much you want to open it up this early in the season. I think I'm actually going to probably join you guys in that. And, you know, it's – I wouldn't be shocked for a while if this game is beyond that 19-point line. But I think if Texas A&M has a comfortable lead here in the fourth quarter, they may play some backups and, uh, you know, App State may be able to get a touchdown or so in that fourth quarter to kind of shorten up that um uh, lead for Texas A&M late. Um, my concern with App State here covering the line is the defense. Even though A&M's offense didn't look all that strong against Sam Houston State, I mean, they only won that game 31-0. Uh, I, it, App State is definitely uh, prone to explosive plays. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to take the Mountaineers to cover this one. And uh, I know we didn't talk about the over-under, but uh, with the over-under at 54 I know a lot of people are going to probably be playing the over on this one because of what App State did last week, but I think this A&M star defense is going to be pretty good this year and be tough for App State to score on this game. So I actually may take the under on this game as well with that uh, over under 54. Um, What are your guys' quick thoughts on that over under before we move on? Marty or Clay, whichever one to go first. What was the number there on the uh, 50, I, I'm seeing 54. Oh, I think they cleared that over by a large amount. Yeah, that's how I am too. I mean, I think with what we saw from App State's defense last week, I think AM alone probably gets the 35-40. And I think Appalachian State's offense is probably good enough to get at least 14 points off Texas AM starting defense, throw in you know, like you said, Dylan, a garbage time touchdown in the end or two, maybe. Yeah, I think they I think they surpassed 54 pretty easily. That's all right. I'll stand alone in that one. I'll, I'll, I'll be the I'll be the one. Um, let's move on. Tennessee minus six and a half on the road versus Pittsburgh. Tennessee looked good in their home opener again. I'm, I'm blanking on who they played on top of my head. It wasn't anybody good. Um, Pittsburgh, on the other hand, uh, beat West Virginia 35-31 in the uh, backyard brawl. It was a great game. Ball um, State. Ball State is who Tennessee played. Thank you. Um, and that one was – that that was a complete blowout. Um, this one's a tough one. I guess I'll go first with this one. This one's a tough one just because um, I think Tennessee has a chance to be really good this year, not SEC East winning good, but they have a chance to be, I think – an eight and four team 
maybe nine and three, uh, depending on how they how everything falls for them. Um, and Pittsburgh's offense, defense, sorry, did not really have a great game against West Virginia last week. West Virginia put up 31 points. Uh, and if you're going to give up that many points to a not terribly explosive West Virginia team, uh, I'm afraid of what you're not, sorry, of what you're going to be able to do against a Tennessee team that uh, can surely pass the ball, has one of the better quarterbacks in the country in Hendon Hooker, uh, and can put up points in bunches. Uh, I I think I'm going to lean Tennessee to win here, but Pitt to cover that six-and-a-half point spread. I think Pitt uh, still has a pretty good offense of their own and is going to be able to keep this one close. Uh, but give me Tennessee to win and Pitt to cover. Clay, we'll go to you. Yeah, if I could buy a point there, I think that's what I would look to do. Uh, I think it very easily could could be a, a touchdown game here, give or take. Um, I also don't know that I necessarily trust Tennessee. I'm going to take take Tennessee money line with, with very little confidence. But uh, that's, that's seven and a half. Uh, I'll definitely take those points if you're giving them to me if I'm hit. Um, but I would definitely look to buy a point here or there and then maybe think about taking Tennessee minus six and a half or so. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I think if this number was six and a half or less, I would take the balls and the points here. Um, Tennessee money line is one I would really like here. And whatever, I don't know what the over-under is in this game, but take the over. Take the over. Um, I, this game is going to be bonkers with points. Like you said, Dylan, Pitt couldn't stop a bad West Virginia defense or a bad West Virginia offense, excuse me. Tennessee very well might put 40 on them this weekend, but at the same time, is Tennessee's defense going to stop a pretty decent pit offense? I don't think so. I could easily see this being one that gets wild and getting into the seventies, maybe higher. So whatever the over is, take it. I think Tennessee wins. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. Take the over, take the over, especially if it's under 70, take the over. Um, I think Tennessee wins at seven and a half. I would take pit the cover, but I do think the volunteers, I think their offense is a little bit better. Um, the quarterback is a little more trustworthy than Hendon Hooker than Keaton Slovis is. So for those reasons, give me the volunteers to win, but I do think Pitt covers here. What Pitt here, is this a quote-unquote money line sprinkle this week? Because I could see them winning this game. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they won. I mean, like I mentioned, I, I'm very hesitant to trust Tennessee. Nothing that Tennessee has shown me in the last decade or so has led me to believe that I should trust Tennessee. Um Pitt, obviously, at home. Um, still an experienced quarterback. Program that has a little bit of confidence. I would definitely I could definitely see Pitt coming out with a win here. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, like you said, you have no reason to trust Tennessee. I, I feel similarly about Pitt, too. It's like, yeah, they won the ACC last year. But if they could have beaten a pretty mediocre Miami team and not – thrown up all over themselves against Westford, Western Michigan, they would have somehow, some way, won up the college football playoff. So, you know, they're they're not exactly a program known for getting out of their own way either. And that's part of the reason why I think this is a game that we're going to see just get super stupid and fast on Saturday. All right, moving on to the next game. One of the better rivalries, I think, college football uh, the last few years um, with – um, it being much more even than it was for the for the 20 years before that. That is Kentucky versus Florida. Kentucky a five point five and a half point underdog 
here on the road. Florida obviously coming off that big win over Utah last weekend. Um, Kentucky 1-0 themselves. This is a tough one, guys, because, uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of hype around Florida coming out of last week's win. But I think you could also easily look at that game and say Utah is two play is one or two plays, of definitely one uh, play away from winning that game. If they're able to turn two field goals into touchdowns, they may win that game by more than one score, too. Um, but credit to Florida. That's not what happened. Florida – Uh, was able to do a good enough job in the red zone throughout that game to get the win. Uh, Kentucky was kind of a, you know, Will Levis is a potential first-round pick. I'm not a big believer in that one, um, but they've showed promise, obviously, the last few years, especially under Will Levis last year and in week one. Um, But this is a tough one for Kentucky. I think right now, I'm leaning into the hype and it's going to take Florida to win this one. But I think I'm going to also take Kentucky to cover that five and a half points. I could see this being a three-point game uh, coming down to the wire. Yeah, that definitely uh, tend to be in line with there. It's a huge potential letdown spot here, I think, for Florida. Even with another ranked team coming in, I think it's certainly possible that they – they, rather than ride that momentum, they kind of buy into their own hype and get smacked around a bit. I think Mark Stoops will definitely have his team prepared to play. But like you said, I'm I'm also not a huge Will Levis believer. Um, and I, I don't think that Kentucky is going to quite have to quite have the run game to, to make him as dynamic in, in play action that he's been in past years. Not having Wondell Robinson's a big deal. Um, I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely ride with you there on the Florida money line, taking the Kentucky points. And the other thing here that I think has me leaning towards UF and, um, Lovis has a little bit of a better track record overall, but I think this comes down to one of the quarterbacks having to make a big play, whether it's a big throw or do something with their legs. I I think I'm leaning towards Anthony Richardson just because, while Will Love is, is a dynamic uh, quarterback, Richardson is, I mean, he has a chance to be a, a special quarterback this year for Florida, put together a really special season. We saw some of the uh, plays he made against Utah. He is crazy athletic, uh, great speed on the ground, uh, has good arm strength. So I think if this comes down to one of the quarterbacks making a big play uh, to win the game, I, I think I, I have more faith right now in Anthony Richardson than uh, Will Levis. Marty, what's your thoughts? Agree with everything you guys said. I mean, I, I too am not a Will Levis believer. He, he's never been anything more than a big guy who can run hard and has a cannon of an arm and has absolutely no idea where the ball is going. So yeah, I think Florida wins this. Um, and with Anthony Richardson, like you said, I would trust him to make a big play a lot more if we need, if, if my team needs it. I could see Florida coming out a little bit flat, like you said, let down opportunity after that game against Utah last week. But in the end, I think Florida's more talented. I, I think they have the much better quarterback play, and I think that rides them to victory. All right, we go on to our next game, which is, I think, one of the more intriguing lines of the entire weekend. Uh, Baylor on the road in Provo against BYU. Baylor a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I know this isn't exactly the Baylor team of last year, 
But this is still a very good Baylor team. They're still ranked top 10 in the country. BYU enters the rankings this week. At, sorry, BYU is up to 21 in the rankings this week. Um, but, yeah, BYU is still three-point favorite here on the road. And they have some, you know, nice players on their roster. Um, their quarterback, Jaron Hall, uh, especially dynamic, can do a little bit of everything. Uh, Baylor... Uh, Sharpton uh, in his first start, Blake Sharpton, that is, in his first start looked good. Um, I, I'm not really sure why Baylor's a three and a half point underdog here, minus the fact that they're on the road here. I, I just think they're the much better team. I trust them more than I trust BYU. Uh, I'll go to you first, Marty. What's just your thoughts on this line? Because this one really is stumping me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not shocked by it. I Baylor is, I, I don't know. I don't know what Baylor is. I know they won the big 12 last year and everything, but like, what, what is Baylor? It just, I, I feel like that could be asked every single season about them since our brows left when you at least knew what the offense was going to be. So I'm, I'm not stunned to see them being underdog on the road in Provo against the good BYU team. This is definitely a coin flip game for me. Um, man, b- being forced to make a pick, I, I think I would pick Baylor in the points, but I'm certainly not going to be surprised to see BYU win this one. They're not, they're a good team. You know, Kalani Sataki continues to fly under the radar is one of the most underrated coaches in all of college football. They have a good thing going up there in Provo the last few years. And even, even if I, I'm going to take Baylor in the points, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if, if BYU wins this game. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jaron Hall, you mentioned it is a pretty dynamic quarterback up there. Um, I really, really like what BYU has done the last handful of years, especially offensively, obviously with Zach Wilson. Um, but uh, give me the Bears here. Give me, give me Dave Aranda. Give me Blake Shapin, who looked fantastic in his first start, went 17 of 20 for uh, 200 and some yards and a couple touchdowns. Obviously, he's playing an FCS opponent. But so if you're going to start one way, that's a way to start. Um, I, I'm. All in on Baylor. I think Baylor will be a contender again in the Big 12 this year. I don't think it's a blowout by any means. I think it's a good game, potentially a back-and-forth game. But Baylor seems like, regardless of who the head coach is the last decade or so, has just shown that they can win these types of ball games. I, and that that's where I sit on it um, because I, I just – I trust Dave Aranda. I think he's one of the best – Head coaches in college football. He's a great defensive mind. And I think if Baylor can slow down the BYU run game in this one, they have a great, great chance of uh, winning, maybe not winning this one in a blowout, but winning it um, in, in comfortable fashion, maybe. Well, I don't know. I have a touchdown. It's really comfortable. But uh, I feel like they could win this by more than one score, possibly. Um if they could slow down that BYU run game. Um, give me Baylor here and give me uh, – yeah, well, Baylor's winning. They're covering that spread. So give me, give, me, give me the Bears. Our next game up, of course, is the game that we're all here uh, discussing earlier. Uh, Penn State versus Ohio. And any line start their home slate uh, this weekend with the Bobcats coming to town for the first time since 2012. Marty, we previewed this game. We talked all about it. What is your pick for Penn State, Ohio this weekend? 
Marty uh, has uh, some, seemingly had some technical issues. Looks like he froze, and uh, we'll have to reload back into the um, podcast. But, uh, Clyde, what's your thoughts on Ohio versus uh, Penn State? I know you weren't uh, in it for our discussion. So what, what what's your overall th- thoughts on this game, and who do you have in this game? Penn State, again, a 25-and-a-half point favorite here as of Wednesday night. Well, the good news for Penn State fans here is that Penn State has obviously never lost to Ohio, uh, particularly never lost to them in Beaver Stadium. Um, so you don't have to worry about that because that could never happen. Um, I Ohio is bad. <laughs> Ohio for the last couple of years or so has been one of the worst teams in, in the MAC and, and honestly one of the worst teams in FBS, uh, which is kind of rough to see a program that was, was pretty darn good for a while there. Um, Penn State, I, I think there's potential here for them to run away with it in, the, in a big, big way. I mean, I, I obviously Penn State wins. I think there's a, a, definitely the potential that this ends up like a 45-10, 48-10 game. But I think I'm leaning closer to something like a 38-13. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm betting here, I'm probably not touching the spread one way or another. Um, just not, just not a game I'm comfortable calling that way, but I would go right now if I had to pick probably Ohio in the points, but barely. And Marty is back. So Marty, Marty's still having some technical issues here. Um, oh yeah, Marty, I, I think we got you finally. Right, perfect. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I just looked up and realized that I was booted off my Wi-Fi for some reason. First, I thought you froze, and then, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I agree with what Clay said. I mean, Ohio is. I feel comfortable saying Ohio is the worst team Penn State will play this season. Um, the potential's there for this thing to get out of hand and quickly, and you would probably like to see it get out of hand and quickly. the The worst thing you want to see happen is a repeat of the Villanova game last year, where you still can't run the ball. You can't put them away. And, you know, looking back on it, that's a game that probably should have raised a lot more red flags than it did. Um, that's the last thing you want to see this Saturday. That said, I'm um, also with Clay on the points. I wouldn't touch it one way or the other. If I had to make a pick, I would take Ohio just because I don't trust a Penn State offense that we still don't know if they can run the ball and Sean Clifford being Sean Clifford to beat anybody by 25 points. So I, I think the Nittany Lions win it. I would say 35 to 14. You know, I don't think this is a game that ever feels in jeopardy or anything. Uh, might be one of those games that doesn't even feel that close. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, if you're Penn State, you're a Penn State fan, what you probably want to see most coming out of this weekend is just see them run the ball. Just see them run the ball with success. Average more than three yards a carry. Maybe Nick Singleton breaks one. Maybe Cage Run Allen breaks one. Yeah, if Penn State can come out of this weekend and run the ball successfully, um, I think you consider it a successful Saturday. Much like Clay in this one, if I if I was going to bet this game, I would not. I would simply not. Uh, I would not <laughs> touch this line if I if I was uh, a better. Um, I I think Penn State could definitely win by twenty. Five and a half plus points, like Clay said, 41-10, absolutely. I, I think Penn State has a shot to put up 40 to 50 points in this game uh, if everything goes well. My major concern with this line is simply that I, I can see a situation where Penn State is up big in the second half, uh, maybe 
you're looking at 41-10 at that point in the second half. And then with the backups in, uh, maybe you get some third stringers in there. Uh, Ohio is able to get maybe two second half touchdowns. Maybe Penn State only gets, you know, one, and it's a 48-24 game. Suddenly you thought you were going to cover that game easily, but now you're, you're Ohio gets the backdoor cover. So I, I'm going to take Ohio to cover the spread just because 25 points is a lot. If this was a 24 point spread, I think I'd be I'd be all over it if I was betting on it. But at 25 points, just too much that can happen that could lose this game from a betting standpoint. Uh, so with that, I will take Penn State to win. I think Penn State wins this one comfortably. If Penn State does not win this one comfortably. We're going to have a lot big, bigger issues to talk about uh, on next week's recap episode um, or this week's recap episode. But I think Penn State wins big. I think they win comfortably. But give me Ohio to cover this one, but just by the slightest. Uh, and with that, first, go, go before ahead. I let you go here, uh, I think we're getting our first Nick Singleton big play here. We're, we're getting our first I, Nick Singleton. I, I can feel it. Uh, moment uh, in this game. Is there anything you want to see out of the, out of Penn State this week in Clay? I mean, I think every Penn State fan is asking them to try to finally run the ball. Um, I don't care whether they run the ball consistently. I, I don't care. I would like to see them be able to create a single big play in the run game. It's been since Tony Brown that they've been able to create a big play in the run game. If they carry the ball 20 times, for 70 yards and then the 21st time is a 40 or 50 yard touchdown. I'm cool with it, but you have to at least have that element of the run game. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really good point. Cause that one thing used to drive me insane would be the people. Well, you know, say Quan Barkley, you take away three runs. He only had 40 yards. Rushing. Well, yeah. When those three runs go for they 30, 45, and 40. Yeah. It still all counts. Exactly. Like, like you said, you don't have to run the ball consistently four or five yards a pop, but you know, as long as you're busting off at least one rushing play out of every, maybe 10 to 15, that's going for chunk yardage, you'll take it. And with Nick Singleton, he's got the ability, you know, against Purdue, his first carry, he was one more missed tackler away from going 97 yards. So it would not be surprised at all to see him do it against Ohio. I agree with both uh, you guys there on those takes, but uh, with that clay, thank you for coming on this week's episode, giving us your picks. We'll see how you do. Uh, you, you do have, I think, Adam last week at 13 points. So we'll see how you Oof. stack up against Adam. Uh, but uh, but we will uh, surely have you on again this season. Thank you for coming on today's podcast. And thank you, everybody, for listening to today's podcast. Uh, as always, uh, you can you can find us on Twitter at Penn State 365 um and be sure to check out nindy nation as well uh until next time everybody thank you have a good one and we will talk to you next week